So I'm going to start today a little different than I normally do uh, with my sermons. Typically, try to get you to think about a question. Uh, maybe I am going to ask a question. Um, so some of you have been watching March Madness, getting into all of the basketball. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that it is now baseball season. Uh, and so uh, with the start of the Braves, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a basketball fan. So I'm like ready for baseball to get here. Uh, so when we get to see the SunTrust Park, we get to see the Braves, I'm like, this is what it's supposed to be. I love college football, but I really love baseball. Um, and so I want to start this morning with a, a movie clip. One of, the, one of my favorite movies, Field of Dreams. Uh, and there's a, a clip where the Kevin Costner's character interacts with, if you, know, if you don't know the movie and haven't ever seen it, I guess it spoils a little bit, but it's an old movie. So, uh, But the, 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 there's a character where he, he interacts with his dad who comes back to him. And so he's younger than actually Kevin Costner is. But this is an interaction between him and his dad. So y'all check out this movie clip. So in this scene, you get this sense, the, the dad asks the question of, you know, is it possible 
that this is heaven. And, and Kevin Costner's character kind of replies that, that maybe it is. I mean, you get a sense that this ordinary moment becomes a much deeper, richer moment, something that is pregnant with all of the possibilities of, of what God is able to do. And so you get that all in this one clip of the possibility that this moment can exist. And I don't know about you if you have ever had one of those where you stop and go, is it possible? Is it possible this is what heaven is like? My mom and dad are in a phase in their life where they're becoming a lot more, a lot less mobile. Uh, so we are in the process of moving them. So every feel like waking moment uh, that we're not here, uh, we drive a couple hours up and pack boxes. And this past weekend was our moving day. All the family was gathering together, and we were going to to pack up their boxes. Moving trucks were coming, coming, and so we did all that on Friday. And then Saturday we went back and began to unpack. And so the 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 ladies. My sister, Claire, and my sister-in-law, they all went to the new house and began to unpack. And me and my brother and brother-in-law and my dad went to the old house and began to get all the things that we couldn't get with the moving company. So we worked through the day, and there was a time where my brother took a tractor, tra- I mean, a, uh, a trailer full, not a tractor trailer, could have been, uh, but a trailer full of stuff to the dump. And uh, so he was gone, and then my brother-in-law loaded up a couple of pieces of furniture that were going to go to my sister's, and so he was gone. And it was just me and my dad, and I was busy like I normally am, just packing boxes, trying to get the next load ready when they come in. And there was no chairs, there was nowhere for him to sit, and so finally he made it to the, he has a golf cart, and he made it to the golf cart. Uh, And so he climbed up and sat, sat on the golf cart, and so... I've packed for a little bit longer, and then a little while later, I uh, made my way to the golf cart, and so I sat down with him, and we just sat there and didn't say a whole lot until my dad started talking to me about just how proud he was of me and uh, who I had become. And it was one of those moments, I don't care if you're 52 years old, that you're like wish I could stay right here. It's, a, it's called a thin space where heaven and, and earth come together for just a moment. Celtic tradition, that's what they call it. It's, a, it's just a thin space where you're able to f- experience the depth of mercy. You're able to experience the, the full extent of, of love in that moment. When Jesus is ministering, as the way the Gospel of Luke records it, he, he, record, he spends all this time with the Pharisees. If y'all were here last week, we spent a good bit of time talking about Pharisees and what the Pharisees are, or who the Pharisees were. And the Pharisees, they were trying to figure out, they wanted to be devoted to God and to be obedient to God, and they wanted to, to experience this thin space the way that we describe it. They had all of this information in their head, but they couldn't figure out a way to move it from head to heart. And so Jesus, the way that Luke records it, spends this time trying to to help them bridge from head to heart. And so he's with the Pharisees, and one of the religious leaders, one of the experts of the law, turns to Jesus and asks him this question. Look at what it says in Luke 10, verse 25. 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I experience a thin space? How can I experience the fullness of of what you have to offer, this deep, pregnant pause of a space in my life? And Jesus responds back to the Pharisee, not with an answer to him. He actually asks him a question that causes him to kind of try to think about it himself and come to that place because Jesus wants to help him bridge from head to heart. And so Jesus says, well, what does it say in the law? Knowing that the religious expert would know the answer. And so the religious expert answers back to Jesus. Look at what it says in 1027. He answers, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus looks at the young man and says, you got it. You know exactly what to do. I knew that you would, but now you got to go do it. Now you got to go love your neighbor. Now you got to go show people grace and mercy. And then you'll experience this thin space. You'll experience this fullness the way that he describes it. And I don't know about you, but I read that story and I wish it would stop right there, but it doesn't because the young expert continues to push and challenge Jesus. He's like, okay, I want to know more. So so then he turns to me and says, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus turns to him and begins to tell him the story that many of you have heard before, which is the story of the Good Samaritan. We talked a little bit about that last week. But he turns to him and says, okay, there's a man going on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. He gets beaten and he gets left beside the road, beside the road. And the pastor comes along. But the pastor is too busy, doesn't want to help. And so the pastor walks on by. The worship leader comes along. The worship leader's too busy, doesn't want to get involved, so he crosses the other side of the road so he doesn't have to see this person. And then the least likely of a hero, the Samaritan, the the person who's unholy in the story, the person who's unworthy in the story, the person who's unlovable in the story. He's the one who actually extends mercy to the guy on the side of the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. So he turns to the young expert and he says, so which one, which which one's your neighbor? Which one, he said, the one who extended mercy. And Jesus says, exactly. So go and do it. Go and do what you know to do. Love your enemy. And then when you do that, you begin to experience life in those thin spaces. One of the great things about this story for me is that we spend so much time in the church trying to get to heaven that we don't realize that we're given opportunities to experience thin spaces all the time where heaven and earth almost seem to touch if not separated by just a thin space. This is not a new concept. In the Old Testament, the prophet Micah basically reiterates or or says the same thing. Look at what it says in Micah 6. He asks this question. In Micah 6, 6, it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? And then he answers this question. So how can I have this thin space? He answers it in verse 8. He says, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. If you want to meet God, if you want to experience God in this thin space, then you need to go and act justly and 
show mercy and walk humbly. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew when he says you're supposed to go and do these things for the least of these. That when you do them, you're doing them for me. Every time you show mercy to the person on the side of the road or every time you you reach out to your neighbor, every time you go and visit somebody at the hospital, you're able to experience this thin space where you feel the depth of God's mercy and love. It can happen here. The problem is so many times when I read that story, the way that I, the way that I read it is the way that I live it, which is I, I relate to the young Pharisee because I'm just too busy. I cannot tell you how close I came to not walking over to the golf cart, not stopping and getting to sit and talk to my father. How many times are we the pastor and the worship leader when we could be the unlikely hero and experience the fullness of what God offers in this life? We have to be very intentional to to live into the rhythm because what we will do most often is live into the rhythm of the Pharisee that's too busy. So we have to build in opportunities to really put ourselves in a position to experience those thin spaces. For me, and I can only say it for me, often that comes on mission trips where I'm able to distance myself and really get away and focus uh, on being obedient to God and, and really being connected to God. And so I I thought about sharing with you a couple of my experiences, but I felt like it would be better, rather than hearing from me, to hear from a a couple of people in the church who have gone on mission trips in the last year. And so I'm going to invite Pam and Debbie to come up. Uh, Pam uh, recently went to uh, Kenya, and uh, Debbie, uh, back in January, uh, went to um, Dominican Republic. And so I have asked them to just simply share with you... uh, a thin space from their trip. And again, I kind of described it the same way that I described it to you is if there was some opportunity on their trip where they felt like heaven and earth came together and they didn't want it to stop. And so I'll let Pam share her story. Um, Ooh, <laughs> when, uh, when Andy first approached me with this, um, and I think anybody who's been on this trip can attest, it was very hard to narrow it down to just one. Um, there's many, many thin spaces. Um, but um, I had in my mind one that I was going to share, but then this morning God put a different one, uh, and he said, no, I want you to talk about this. So um, <clears throat> when I go to Kenya, there's an orphanage that we go to, and um, there's a lady named Mary who's kind of like the director of the orphanage. And I had met Mary and, you know, we had a cordial relationship, but we didn't really know each other on a deep level. Um, and one night, well, every night that we're there, at night we have a separate, we all get together. Um, after we've been gone all day, we get together and we have worship time and we kind of debrief and talk about what happened that day. And on this particular night, Mary was staying at the uh, the lodge that we were staying with us, and um, which was really unusual. Well, um, everybody started going to bed, and me and Mary just sat up and, and were talking and talking and talking. 
and talking and talking and talking. And um, we talked about our marriages. We talked about our in-laws. We talked about children. Um, she shared some of her struggles. I shared some of mine. Um, and we had a lights out policy and we stayed up way past that. We just, uh, neither one of us really wanted to leave that moment. Um, and, uh, one of the things I thought about actually in between the two services, um, one of the ways that we kind of ministered to it, because we were total, totally ministering to each other, but one of the things that we said was that you're the daughter of the lion. And every time I see a lioness now, I think we are the daughter of the lion. Um, and, uh, but really what it comes down to for me is um, when you go to Kenya, there are times where you can see zebras on the side of the road and things like that, which are awesome. But uh, the reason that I go is for the relationships and to be able to sit down with somebody on the other side of the world who has a very different experience than mine, but to find that commonality and to share our love of Jesus and um, just the relationship that we have with him, that that's really what it was all about. And in that moment, I mean, even now, I, I wish I was still sitting there talking. I mean, it was just the most incredible time. So um, that's my story. All right. Debbie, you want to share yours? Um, Nicole's grandmother prays for me every day. Let me explain. Um, I go to the Dominican Republic. I've been several times. And the Dominican Republic is on the island of, uh, with Haiti. And if you know anything about the, that island, it's a third world country, both of them are. So it's very poor. And it's about seven and a half hours to get there, taking a plane and a bus. Get back to Debbie. Can you hear me? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I hope you caught the first part. <laughs> Nicole's grandmother prays for me every day. Anyway, so it's about a seven and a half hour trip there. We take a, a flight down there and it's a four hour bus trip over to Barahona where we do our mission work. And we really do the um, mission work is for the Haitians that were brought over to the Dominican as slaves to pick the sugar cane many, many years ago. But the lady I'm going to tell you about is actually a Dominican. Um, I sponsor a little girl named Nicole. She's eight years old, and I got to see her in January. We can go and visit our children when we come and bring them a little gift. And the first time I got to visit with Nicole, she lived with her grandparents in a shack. It's pretty much sticks covered with coconut bark and a dirt floor. And when we, I went with an interpreter, and when we got to their home, they were very gracious. They pulled out their two white plastic chairs for us to sit on and were very hospitable. We talked about Nicole and we talked about them and just kind of got to know each other. And they told me how much they appreciated me one, coming to see them, bringing Nicole some gifts, and my sponsorship. And just to give you an idea, my sponsorship is less than what Bob and I paid for dinner Friday night. So it's not really a sacrifice for us. But they're so appreciative. These two little wiry people climbed up in a tree 
and they got down some key lines and gave me a bag of key lines as a gift. And uh, we loved up on each other and, you know, hugging and kissing and telling each other how much we loved each other. And then before I left, the grandmother told me, I pray for you every day. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but my best friend probably doesn't pray for me every day. I can tell you 98% of my family probably doesn't pray for me every day. And I don't think my Sunday school class prays for me every day either. So for me, that was just huge. And it was a connection between she and I and God in the middle. And I just, like you said, there's tons of things we could tell you about our trips. I mean, there's just so many moments that are just unreal. But the one highlight of every time I go down there is getting to see Nicole and her grandmother. I'll give you that. Pharisees, um, they spent so much time. If you start reading that story in Luke 10, all the way to Luke 18, the Pharisees spend time trying to be able to experience what Debbie and Pam just described for you. And Jesus teaches them over and over and over again, and they just don't get it. They cannot figure out how to bridge it from their head to their heart. And so Jesus quits teaching them, and he shows them. We get to Luke 18. Y'all read with me as we look at Luke 18, verses 35 through 43. What we're going to find is we're going to find Jesus surrounded by Pharisees, on a road from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is the road that's, that's in the Good Samaritan. So he's surrounded by Pharisees on the very same road that he taught them about. And we get these words. It says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So Jesus takes this group of Pharisees it's possible that in the group of Pharisees is the young expert that asked him the question back in Luke chapter 10. But he takes this group of Pharisees on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. These are the people who've been asking this question, how do we experience the thin space? And this beggar is crying out on the side of the road, and what do the Pharisees do? They rebuke him. They tell him to be quiet. I don't have time for you. And Jesus stops and says, no, go get the Pharisee. I mean, go get the beggar and bring him to me. And so the Pharisees go and get the beggar. He asks him, what do you want me to do for you? He says, I want to see. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. You, you, you regain your sight. 
And he begins to praise God. But then the beauty of the story for me is, but all the people around him begin to praise God. Who's around him? The Pharisees. The very people who have not been able to figure out how to to move from head to heart, they begin to praise God because they've been able to see it. They get it. What allowed them to get it? They actually started doing it. They went and brought the beggar to Jesus. And they experienced in that, that fullness, that thin moment where heaven and earth seemed to come together. They were able to see who Jesus was and they were able to experience Jesus. And they were beginning to ask the question, is it possible? Is this, what it, is this what it's like? I invite you this morning to think about the story. How intentional you are in being able to put yourself in a position to experience a thin space. How often do you allow God to send you to go get the beggar to bring them before him? and allow them to experience Christ in their own life. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for ordinary days where we are able to to encounter you. And I pray, God, for each and every one of us that's in this space today, I pray, Lord, that you can help us to to experience you, to be intentional of trying to respond to you so that we are able to experience the depth of your mercy and the richness of your love. And we can do that on every road that we travel, every room that we're in, every time that we're able to sit with family. May we experience your presence in that thin space in life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For me, one of those opportunities is Holy Communion. The ability to be able to come and and be present with my Lord. And and I want you to think about the story today as you receive communion. In that story, when the beggar comes to Jesus, Jesus asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? What's your response? What, What do you want me to do for you? There are people here this morning who... It may not be sight, but maybe you need to to really feel God's presence in your life. Maybe there's somebody here that your response would be, I need healing. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that your response is, I need comforting. Maybe your response this morning is, I need delivered. Maybe your response this morning is, 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 I need presence. But as you come forward and as you receive communion this morning, I invite you to hear Jesus' words to the beggar. What do you want me to do for you? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you for these moments where we are able to experience your grace in our own lives. 
And I pray, Lord, that you are able to pour your spirit into this into these elements, to this bread, to this juice, so that that we are able to truly experience you, so that we are able to to be your body in the world that we live in, redeemed by your blood. We are so thankful, God, that you are a God who is ever-present in our lives and that you care enough to ask us the question, What do we want from you? And I pray, Lord, that each and every person can walk in this place or walk down these aisles and experience your presence in their own lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.